You're listening to the Choose Life Podcast, a podcast about living a radically human and courageously authentic life. Join us as we discuss topics from small business leadership to adoption advocacy to living the life God has called you to. Here's your host, Clay Steves. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Choose Life Podcast. I am your host, Clay Steves, and I am I am anticipatory of our time together today. For those of you who are following on Facebook, on the video podcast, thank you for doing that. For those of you who have subscribed on Spotify and iTunes, thank you so much. And this is normally the moment where I would pivot and ask you to share and say thank you for sharing, but I actually wanna stop and I wanna tell a quick story. And I wanna tell you what I've been going through over the last four or five days internally, which is making me qualify and know even more why this is, this is a vision, this is a community, this is a group worth sharing to expand and create this space together to choose life together. Last week, I started listening to a new podcast, was inputting some new information, heard this great one with uh, Josh Whiteskin, who was actually from uh, Searching from Bobby Fischer, if you remember that movie from well, my childhood. I don't know if it was your childhood or not, but he was on the Tim Ferriss podcast, and he was just talking about kind of the self-actualization, this we never arrive. And when we're in a spot, we think we have authority, but the truth of the matter is we're always actually still moving forward and needing to move forward to recognize our own current block spots. Then this past weekend, I spent the weekend at our lake house with our family and a couple of my oldest son's buddies. Uh, My oldest son is actually about to turn 13. He actually turns 13 today. And so over the weekend, I was with a bunch of teenage boys who, if you've been around teenage boys in a while, they think they know it all, right? Whether it's on Pokemon or college sports or the coronavirus, like they speak with this, I know it, I have authority, I know this. This weekend, uh, I was deeper into a book that my wife had given me, and it's called Trying Differently, Not Harder. Trying Differently, Not Harder. And it's on the content of fetal alcohol syndrome disorders, uh, FASD. And it's kind of this new psychological realm of breakthrough. And for us as a family, we have a, we have a son who was exposed in the womb, a previous foster son of ours who was adopted, who battles a lot of mental challenges and and behavioral challenges now in life. We've been on a journey to unpack knowing and how can we serve him and how can we lead him because it's exhausting and we're confused and it's a challenge. And one of the things that I was learning in this, this book this weekend literally was on the fact that if you have FASD, right, if you have fetal alcohol syndrome disorder, so not the fetal alcohol syndrome that we kind of grew up knowing about, but there's actually a recognition that there's a lot of people who may have been exposed to alcohol in the womb who have different brain function, literally physically have a different brain, but they don't outwardly show this. They only begin to show it in behavior over time or in a lag of development. And so what, what I was learning is they, they, who if you have FASD, actually don't have a choice. They often don't have a choice. It's not a willful behavior or disobedience. It's actually that they physically, in their brain, it can't function and they can't choose. So all these things have just been stirring together on my heart to recognize and share that this is always going to be a space where we are learning and growing. And so I'm gonna speak with authority. I'm gonna speak with what I know in my heart and what I've experienced and the truths that I know, but I'm always gonna couple that. At Choose Life, you are always going to couple that with the truth that 
we recognize we're moving in a direction, right? We're always going to be learning and growing and we're gonna know there's things we can make choices on now. And maybe sometimes I'm even having my brain shifted to learn, maybe there's times that somebody can't choose. And so this Choose Life is always gonna be a space where we're just gonna come and convene together. And this morning, I actually, as I, as I referenced earlier that it was my son's 13th birthday, I actually missed it. And it threw me off before I got to filming here today. I was in the kitchen. My son Isaac and I were actually wrestling and rumbling over something. We were arguing and then I had some other responsibilities and I was trying to get the team together and my oldest son came out. And I didn't wish him a happy birthday. I missed my son's 13th birthday. I missed my moment. And about 10 minutes later, I had it brought to my attention. And of course, and I went and I embraced him and I celebrated him. But for the next like hour, I was just beating myself up. And I was angry on the inside and I was frustrated. I, I tried to put it onto a bunch of other stuff until I recognized that it was just my own frustration that I had, I had failed as a dad. And so on the drive to school, my oldest, Noah, was actually sitting in shotgun next to me. And I was trying to almost kind of act like it didn't happen. <laughs> More for my self-preservation, because of course he knew because he had made a comment to my wife when she had told him happy birthday when she first saw him that she was the first one to, to wish him happy birthday this morning. I just had to own it and apologize. And I did, I just said, no, I'm sorry, man. I failed you as a dad this morning, that was a mess. This is, celebrating this day is actually one of my favorite days of my life, the day of my firstborn son being born and I as a dad missed it. And so I, I just share all that because all those things have been spent in the last four, five, six days for me, that this space, while I'm going to come here and I'm going to speak with the authority that I have, it's an authority of experience in the need for community. It's an authority on the experience of knowing my own brokenness and my own fallibility and knowing that we have to keep moving in the direction of more because if we're gonna be purpose-driven, if we're going to be courageously authentic, if we're going to be radically human, if we're gonna choose life, it's not about perfection. It's not about nailing it and knowing it all. It's about coming together as a community to pursue something larger than ourself. And that's, that's a purpose worth sharing. That's a space worth sharing. And so when I say thank you for sharing it on Facebook or sharing the iTunes or the Spotify, that's why. Thank you. Because this is a space and a mission and <clears throat> a life, right? Choosing life, it is worth sharing. It's a community worth sharing. So thank you for being a part of that community. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm going to pivot to today's topic and actually, we're gonna, at the beginning of a series, I'm gonna do four weeks in a row that are all linked together and are intimately and personally linked for me. We're gonna call this Step Up. Okay, we're gonna call this Step Up. And that STEP acronym actually has a very significant role in my life, S-T-E-P, because each of those represents a core value within my personal family, within my family unit, and at our company, Habakkuk. The S stands for servant heart, and that's what we're going to dive into deeper today. The T stands for teamwork. The E is excellence, and the P, perseverance. And so as you can imagine, step has a huge significance and role in my life. So a quick count of what 
a core value is, right? A behavioral value. These are in our company non-negotiable. In other words, these aren't just something we say or we hang up as a banner on the wall. These are actually who we are. These are not just behaviors we live out. These are who we are. We hire for them. We celebrate them. We hold team members accountable to these behaviors. So they are critical towards creating, you know, we hear that buzzword culture all the time, but when we talk about at Habakkuk step, these are fundamental to who we are and who we are culturally. And so today we're going to start with that S, that S, servant heart. Now, naturally, as even the stories I told at the beginning, I am always out for number one. Now, I don't want to be, and I think if you're really honest with yourself and look in the mirror, you're out for number one. We are default built this way. We are going to try to be secure. We're going to protect ourselves. We're going to have comfort first and foremost for ourselves. This is our natural way of falling into life, but... This is also incredibly limiting. And I think this is why so often we are actually emboldened and encouraged when we see people who put others first, who live out a servant heart. You know, you think about the Chick-fil-A drive-thru. If you've been to Chick-fil-A recently and you roll up into the drive-thru, there's like 38 workers and they're all teenagers out there mingling in the cars. They're asking you incessantly what sauces they can bring you. Can I take your order? It's my pleasure. All these elements. And you know, like, I know we're saying we're out for number one, but teenagers, they really are naturally out for number one. And they got whole rows of them out there with a huge servant heart figuring out how can they take care of you? How can they serve you? How can they put you first? Uh, Another story about a restaurant uh, the other day. As a family, we ordered takeout. Uh, It was a brand new restaurant that just opened in our hometown. And so we as a family, it was a Friday night, we were ordering takeout. It was delivered through one of the delivery services that is probably thriving through the quarantine and COVID shutdowns of society. We sit down to get it and there's seven of us around the table. We've got a large circus of a family. And so you start unloading all the meals and you open them up and we're missing one. This is like the the drama at the end of the day in our house. And of course, it's always the kid who's the loudest and the screamer, which was me as a child. And I've got two that are identical and they're just losing their mind and screaming and crying because their meal didn't show up and the world is wronging them. So then Kirsten and I are stressed. And so we call the restaurant and the restaurant, oh, her heart, it was incredible. This is what she says. She says, I am so sorry. What can I do to make it right? Not here's option A, not here's option B, not this. She said, what can I do to make it right? You tell me, how can I serve you? Right? So when we talk about customer service, we're talking about a servant heart. And if we want to choose life, if we want to truly be purpose-driven and courageous out there that can live this type of life, we are going to have to choose to have a servant heart. But it doesn't come natural. Like we talked about, it does not come natural. Naturally, we're going to be out for number one. So what are the areas that we can implement a discipline? What are the disciplines that we can put into our lives that we can act on to begin fostering, to begin creating this servant heart? Because sometimes we have to start the actions to begin working on our heart, even if it isn't there yet. We know we need to get to where it's genuine and authentic, but sometimes we're not there yet. So here are two actions that we can work on to begin fostering and building that into our own heart to get a servant heart. The first is this, you must be willing to do the dirty work. That's right, you've got to do the dirty work. You cannot be above any type of work. And I mean any type of work, mopping the floors, taking out the trash, 
Uh-oh, scrubbing the toilets. Like you can't be above any of it. You have to be willing as a leader. And for the record, I wanna pause right there and I'm gonna say this a few times through the episode. Everybody's a leader. You're a leader of yourself. You're a leader of your family. You're a leader at your team, at your work, of your kids, whatever it is, of your peer group, of your small group. Everyone is a leader. So you have to think of yourself like that. And you cannot be willing to ask your team or your teammates to do something that you haven't personally done or aren't willing to do yourself. I'm gonna say that again. You cannot be willing to ask your team or your teammates to do something that you haven't done or aren't willing to do yourself. And some of my research on this topic ahead of time, I encountered this one core value at a single company, a large company that's very well known. And one of their core values, I love this, their core value is sweep the floors. Like that's the way they even verbalize it organizationally because they say from the CEO to the entry level position, it doesn't matter who it is, the value they hold is that they must be willing to sweep the floors. And this is an action of servant heart being lived out. In the surgery world, turnover is actually one of the most critical aspects towards having an efficient and effective day in the operating room. Now, what is turnover? Turnover is actually the spaces in between the surgeries. So often we focus on what happens in the surgery itself, and that is critical, and of course that matters, but for the efficiency of a day, right, for patients at the end of the day to get the same level of care as patients at the start of the day, the turnover, those spaces in between surgery is actually just as critical. And in the turnover time, everyone has a role, right? Everybody has a role because this is the space where all of the old instruments that were used in the previous surgery are taken out. They're put through the wash. The new clean instruments are brought in. There's a team of people who come in and clean the room itself and make sure that the, the walls and the floor and everything is cleaned up. The surgeon goes on to do their dictation and their documentation. The nurse is moving one patient into the PACU and getting the next patient and ensuring they're bringing them back on properly time. So everyone kind of has a role. What's fascinating is my organization, what we do for a living, we're the representative in the room. We provide the devices. Oftentimes, we don't have a critical function to the hospital on the turnover moments. We don't have an assigned role in those specific moments. What we do as an organization is we actually watch for how does our team behave in turnover? Do they stand outside the room and just talk to people and not be involved? Or are they proactively choosing to serve, to have a servant heart, and to do the dirty work? Because what we want to see is we want to see people grabbing the trash and helping efficiently create a turnover so that the patient can get the next best level of care. We want to see our team facilitating moving the dirty instruments out of the room and into the washroom and grabbing our clean instruments and having them right outside the room waiting for the next step. Because again, turnover is a critical time and we actually watch for and we recruit on and we pay attention to how does our team function in these moments. When I think about Servant Heart, two recent stories come to mind. One of our team members named Quincy, I got into the office early one morning and as I'm pulling up into the driveway, I see her out front picking up the trash in the grass that had caught on the fence. She was doing this because she wasn't afraid to do the dirty work and she had a Servant Heart. Not long after a different day, I'm again pulling into the office and I get in there and there's a team member named Ashley and she's in the warehouse 
and she's out there lifting big, massive tubs, shifting stuff around, doing the dirty work, even in the warehouse. And the thing you have to notice with both of these team members, the thing I have to share is that these are two leaders within our company. This is a director and a manager who are out there picking up trash and sliding big, heavy tubs out in the warehouse doing the dirty work because they have a servant heart. They are living this out. Another way to say this would be see a need, meet a need. If you see a need in your organization, in your family, around you, in the community, meet the need. If you're going to have a servant heart, you must be willing to do the dirty work. Now, with two potential blind spots, I want to point these out because I fall victim to these more often than not. And so you've got to check these in your heart as you are doing the dirty work. The first is this, is that you are doing the dirty work because you want to be caught in the act, right? You are doing it because you want to be caught in the act. This is a risk spot to where you're doing the action, but your heart actually isn't a servant heart. On Fridays at the office, we have a, a Friday shutdown checklist where we clean the office. We get it pristine, we get it ready so that when the weekend is done and we show up on Monday and the place is ready. Well, I can remember one specific Friday. I was frustrated because the trash hadn't been taken out. I like things to be done at a certain level. I like excellence. And so I noticed this and I got frustrated. So I began to do the dirty work, but I was doing it with an intentionality and with a heart that was frustrated and was saying, I hope they see me doing this so that they will then own it and do it in the future. I want them to notice me doing it. So watch yourself, potential blind spot as you begin to do the dirty work. Don't do it to be seen and caught. Do it out of a genuine overflow of your heart. It says, I'm not above any type of work. The second blind spot that you have to watch for with this doing the dirty work is you can't spend all your time on it. While you have to have a heart you have to have a servant heart that's willing to do this and is willing to do anything that you're going to ask your team members to do. You can't spend all of your time on this as a leader because listen, you must give your highest and best use to the organization, right? You have to give your highest and best use. You have to bring your best. And so sometimes you can't spend all of your time doing this. Actually, no, you shouldn't spend all of your time doing this, but you must be willing to. And the aspect that I've also seen with this is that sometimes... We often will go do the dirty work. We'll go do some different work within the organization to spend time avoiding being exposed within our current role and responsibility. As we get more added to our plate, or maybe even as you get a promotion or an elevation within an organization, you actually will be elevated to a level where you don't do those responsibilities as naturally well as some of your old ones. So it's really easy to fall into a tendency to go do the old ones almost to make ourselves feel better, to protect ourselves. So these are two potential blind spots that you have to watch for. So what are some of the benefits of having a servant heart and being willing to do the dirty work? The first is you maintain a lens for what your frontline team members are going through and what they're experiencing. Because on the front lines, those team members, like for us as an organization, those that are in surgery, that are out in the field, they're the ones who are closest to the orthopedic community. And as a leader, as you move away from that, you actually become more and more disconnected. And so if you're willing to do the dirty work and get your hands in there and be in that action, it provides you a lens for what the frontline team members and the people that you lead are going through. The second thing it does, it shows them that you're not above them. You are actually with them as an organization. You can stay connected to them by being willing to do the dirty work, to load instruments, to clean 
instruments, to load implants, to unload FedEx, whatever it may take as a leader. And the third thing that being willing to do the dirty work that it will actually do for you, a third benefit, is that it can check against that place in our heart that, you know, begins to think we're more important than we are. My mom would say it like this, when you get too big for your britches, right? That's the phrase she would use with me. And I fell victim to this early on. So as an organization, when we began to travel all over the country, attending labs and meetings, et cetera, one of the things when we took clients, we're all about a customer experience. We love creating a great experience. We began to fly first class. Sometimes this was really needed because we'd be flying maybe overnight or overseas and you got to get there and land and you got to start working first thing in the morning and you got to be bringing your A game. We want ourselves and our clients to be in their best state of mind to train and go through the lab and receive the information. And so we would fly first class to ensure that the flying experience was the best it could be. Well, what I began to find with myself is that even when I was traveling on my own, I began to think that I needed to fly first class every single time. And so I'd be buying first class tickets until I just got checked one day by a team member who was like, hey, do we need to be spending this every single time? You're paying twice as much, but it's just you going. And there's not like an urgent meeting the next morning. And so being willing to do the dirty work as a leader, it reminds you to not get too big for your britches. Right? It reminds you that it's okay to sweep the floors, to pass the salt, to unload the FedEx truck, to do the dirty work. And this is action overflowing from having a servant heart. So the first thing, you must be willing to do the dirty work. The second thing, to have a servant heart. The second choice to foster this, <clears throat> put others first. Put others first. <clears throat> this is so hard because naturally we're out for number one. We are out <clears throat> for number one. And to put others first, it requires sacrifice. And this is where it gets painful for ourselves because we have to give up something we care about, something we hold dear to for something that we love even more. Marriage is a beautiful, uh, perfect example of where you have to do this, right? When two become one, all of a sudden it's no longer me just being out for my own benefit, my own interests, but now I have to fundamentally look out for our greater benefit, right? To have a healthy marriage, we have to prioritize or put others, put the other one first, and we each have to do that. We each have to serve the other. There are numerous arenas in our lives right, where we can choose to sacrifice something we care deeply about and put others first. I'm just going to brainstorm a few of them here, and I guarantee you even have some more that are outside of my list. But some, some of them could be this, money. Sometimes you've got to sacrifice money to put others first. Time, status, prestige, attention, recognition, getting my way, ego, preferences, comfort, Relationship, sometimes you have to sacrifice relationship to put someone else first, like a birth mother placing her child for adoption. Sometimes people choose to sacrifice their life, like members of our military, our first responders, frontline healthcare workers in the middle of a pandemic. Sometimes you have to sacrifice things that mean a lot to you, that you actually hold dear for something 
that you care about even more. And I want to focus on three of those specific areas here that we have to consistently, you as a leader, remember to have a servant heart, to choose to live this out. You're going to have to consistently sacrifice these things to put others first and have a servant heart. The first of the three that I want to focus on today is time. Time is a non-renewable resource, right? You cannot get more of it. It is here. There's a set amount. You can't make more of it. That's why there's no such thing as time management, right? There's only attention management, what we focus and give our attention to. And then tying this to marriage, when I was first married, what you have to know is when we molded together, there was a clash on priorities, And I think this happens in every marriage, but I can only speak for my own. So to paint the full picture, um, football is like lifeblood in my family. You go back to my childhood and what I grew up in, like football was a part of our weekly, actually I might even say daily rhythms as a family. And that actually still permeates in my family today on Saturdays. The uh, women on my mom's side of the family have a Zoom. They started at the beginning of COVID when they couldn't all be together. They started this Saturday Connect. They still are doing it to this day. And I was listening to them this past Saturday and half of the topic literally was about what they were going to do during the football games, when they were going to watch them. Like this is cultural within my family. My great, great My great-grandpa, my kid's great-great-grandpa was actually one of the first captains at the local university. And it's just a huge deal within our family. So when I got married, this had a massive amount of time in my life. Saturdays were spent watching or going to the football games. Fridays were spent watching and going to football games. Talking about it was all over the time. You can imagine uh, the clash because my wife... She doesn't care about football at all. She doesn't know anything about football. And she actually doesn't want to know anything about football. And so this created great conflict early in our marriage because I had a priority in my life that was not a priority in hers. But I began to see her choose to put me first. She began to serve me and have a servant heart to say, you know what, this matters so much to his family. This matters so much to him. I'm going to begin to pay attention to it. I'm going to begin to care because I'm going to put him and his family first. And when she began to behave that way, it began to lead me. And I was like, hold on, why am I spending so much time focusing on this and prioritizing this? And why am I making my wife do this when I know she doesn't care about it. And so then it began to lead me to serve her and not prioritize it and give it so much time. And so all of a sudden time and my attention, I began to give less of it to this piece of my life. And for you, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's not football in your life. In your life, maybe it's golf. Maybe it's hunting. Maybe it's screen time because you want to be able to watch your shows and give your time to them. Or maybe it's just being connected and on the news and on your phone all the time. I don't know what it is in your life. But there is something in your life that you're giving lots of time to that maybe you need to stop and evaluate. Am I putting those around me first? Am I putting my spouse first? Am I putting my children first? Or do I need to sacrifice this and focus that time somewhere else so that I can have a servant heart. Another thing is recognition. Oh, recognition. Everybody loves, right, to hear that it's about them, right? And we can all fall victim. Even when we have a servant heart, we can fall victim to the humble brag, right? Sharing that story about what we did, but doing it with humility because it was a good thing that we did, but we're actually bragging to feed that place because we want to be recognized. But listen, here's the truth. Great leaders, great leaders, they care about results, not credit. 
And so for us, if we want to have a servant heart, if we want to lead those around us, we must care about results, not credit. So we got to let go of, we must put others first and recognize that we have to shift from our success being about us to being about others. So our success has to become those around us becoming successful. And the final piece, money. Money. The third one that I want to focus on is money. Because to put others first, oftentimes we're going to have to sacrifice money. As a small business startup, if you're the private practice owner, if you own your own business, if you are a leader in any way, shape, or form, no matter what, oftentimes we will have to sacrifice money to put others first. And I've heard it said, if you want to know about someone's heart, watch what they do with their money. So if you want to know if they have a servant heart, watch what someone does with their money. We have a team member recently. She takes care of one of our largest volume surgeons. And a couple weeks ago, they did a total hip on a patient. About a week later, tragically, and unfortunately, this patient was at home, had a fall, and ended up with what we call a periprosthetic fracture. This is a break in the bone around their prosthesis, around their implant. This is a really, really tough complication, and it can be catastrophic for a patient. Our team member, Christy, she went straight into work trying to find a different implant as we were going to have to go back and revise this patient. She went and sought a couple different ones and found some options that we have within our portfolio. But what she quickly began to recognize is we don't have the actual implant. We don't provide the very revision implant that was going to be best for this specific patient. So then she's presented with a moment of thought right? Do we provide the one that we have that would make us money as an organization, will help our revenue goal, could even potentially bonus her and make her more money? And as I'm in a conversation with her, it was incredible to see her even lead me with such a servant heart. And she goes, you know what, Clay, I think we need to, I think we need to call our direct competitor who has the right implant for this patient. And so she immediately picks up the phone. She contacts them and gets this other implant available and there because she had such a servant heart and was putting this patient above her own financial gain to ensure that they got the care and the treatment that they needed. To have a servant heart, we're going to have to put others first in every area of our life. And to have a servant heart, a final thought as I bring us to a close is that it just it takes humility, right? It takes a humility to live this way, to choose to have a servant heart. And, and I define humility here as the way C.S. Lewis said it. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. This isn't thinking less of yourself and not knowing your gifts and knowing your strengths and embracing and leaning into those. But this is about focusing less on yourself and putting others first to have a servant heart, to choose a servant heart. You must be willing to do the dirty work and you must put others first. This is the way that we get to choose life. This is how we live with a servant heart and choose life. And as you live this type of life and as you choose to have a servant heart, you must know that the greatest servant heart to ever walk the earth was Jesus Christ. He would and did do the dirty work as he washed those around him's feet.
Those closest to him, he got on the ground and washed their feet. He also put others first by sacrificing his own life because he gave it for you and for me. So know that the greatest servant heart and he who chose life for you is found in the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I look forward to being together again soon. And as you live this week and as you go out, choose to have a servant heart. Choose life.